0: Welcome to another episode of Chipping Away where your host Sarkash and Durga take you on journeys of South Asian Archaeology and Anthropology. I wonder, what do we have in store for today? What? Oh
1: yes, that's right. Dogs. Today we'll be talking about man's best friend.
0: <clears throat> Man?
1: Okay, okay. Humanity's best friend. All our best friends. That's
0: right. Oh, yes.
1: Dogs mm-hmm. have been our companions For the longest of times, as far as we know, from at least twenty to 40,000 years ago, dogs became part of our packs.
0: Dogs have been with humans since the oldest times and have aided them in daily activities such as hunting, tracking, or even companionship. And I reckon maybe they were also used as meat or food at some point in time.
1: That's true, but I guess we should all go back to where it all started. A good reference point would be the dire wolves of Game of Thrones. You see, the bond that the dog or the wolf, in this regard, and the man, maybe a Stark, shared is what is probably the root of this—the equation between humankind and dogs. We were both pack animals, and we both adopted each other as our packs. It was a mutual pack attitude. We both accepted each other as equals. So, we know this, that all modern-day dogs are probably descended from gray wolves. But nobody knows exactly where and when this domestication event happened. It could be somewhere in East Asia, somewhere in Europe, or somewhere in the Middle East. However, the earliest evidence we get of some association is from Belgium, from a site called Goethe Cave, wherein this 32,000-year-old specimen of a dog possibly domesticated, was identified. However, the earliest secure source is from Bonn, Germany, wherein this burial dated to around 14,000 years ago, we have a puppy buried along with a man and a woman. And we know that this puppy was a pet because this puppy had canon distemper. Although the puppy was 23 months old when she died, She supposedly had this disease from 19 months at least.
0: Wow, and canine distemper is pretty deadly, even fatal. And being cared for from 19 months of age to 23 shows extensive care and caregiving. So definitely the dog must be a domesticated dog.
1: And something that they probably cared a lot for. And like you stated, there's probably many reasons why dogs and humans packed with each other. And one of those is obviously food, Uh, how humans depended on dogs to help them in hunting as well as these canines got a steady source of food by scavenging or being fed by their human companions. Mm -hmm. So we know that there is rock art from Saudi Arabia that is around 8,000 years old that shows humans with dogs on a leash and going on hunting expeditions. So such kind of sources say that at least 8,000 years ago, humans and dogs went on hunts together and these dogs were leashed.
0: And we also have some images from Bhimbetka site in Madhya Pradesh where dog or dog-like creatures have been identified. Although we don't see the representation of a leash, the accompanying or the group dynamic as a pack is evident. And in some cases, uh, as Yashodhar Matpal has identified, there are around 17 to 20 instances of dogs associated with humans in hunting practices as represented at the site. And since we are talking about old humans, I think we should also take a look at the Neolithic site in Burzahom in North India, close to Srinagar. At Burzahom, we have the pit dwellings and some burials with dog bones. So dogs were ceremoniously buried along with their humans. I think that's pretty impressive for that time.
1: And this kind of companionship between dog and humans is something that we see throughout time. For example, we know in Roman times that there were at least three sizes of dogs that were kind of domesticated and they had around their houses. For example, they had a small terrier-sized dogs, similar to Snowy of Tintin or Labrador-sized dogs, and the third is a Greyhound-sized dog, so something like Scooby-Doo. I know he's a Great Dane, so I'm just giving, like, comparisons. So these three varieties and sizes of dogs were present, and the small dogs were what preferentially were selected for by these Roman dog owners. So we know that these dogs were very common because we find a lot of ceramic tiles in various Roman towns that have paw prints on them. And we also have examples, say from Pompeii, when you had Vesuvius erupting and covering the whole town in smoke and ash. We also have these examples of some dogs that were unfortunately victims of this catastrophe. So we knew that along with the humans, dogs too existed in these towns.
0: And maybe we should look at Egypt, which epitomizes human and dog relationship. Now I know everybody associates cats with Egyptian religion. But even dogs were pretty important for the ancient Egyptian civilization.
1: That's true. I mean, Anubis, the jackal-headed god, is an example of how a dog was almost deified to the role of a god. At the site of Saqqara in Egypt, where you have the temple of Anubis, it's associated with dog catacombs, wherein people gave voting offerings of, well, the earthly representation of Anubis. So dogs, wolves and foxes and jackals and these kinds of canines. And these were mummified and sacrificed and offered to the great god. And it's not just the gods. Even common people had animals mummified and buried alongside them. So there is this person known as Happy. And in his tomb, they found a mummified animal, which people thought for the longest time was a cat. But when they did a CT scan, they realized, no, it's a dog. Thus, Happy Puppy. Is now known in archaeology.
0: So, is it a happy puppy because he was joyous and jovial?
1: Well, happy is a very common name in Egypt and it referred to the hippopotamus god of the Egyptians. So, happy was the name of this person who was probably named after the god or you know was a worshiper of this god, and therefore, this puppy of this person who was named after or worshipped by the god Happy became happy puppy. But I'm sure that he was a good boy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting story, even how the name came about. Speaking of dogs and their association with religion, it is also a very interesting topic or let's say, a different kind of forms. South Asia is replete with dog sculptures. Right from the Buddhist representation through Jataka, where Lord Buddha takes various forms through his various births and his stories are depicted in sculptural friezes, in modern-day Mathura, or in some parts of Afghanistan, Gandhara, or even some parts of Nepal, we have sculptures of dogs as associated with humans through their daily activities. In Vedic India, a female dog by the name Saruma reoccurs or appears in folios of Rigveda, Yajurveda, and I think even Samaveda to some extent. And this dog appears as the first dog who is the mother of all the dogs to follow in the Vedic narratives and later Puranic narratives in South Asia. There's an associated story of Saruma, the dog, and Indra, the king of gods, and their exploits as to how Saruma helps Indra in certain occasions to retrieve his lost treasures from a cave, and other such stories which depict the interaction of humans and dogs even in the godly realm or superhuman realm.
1: But aren't dogs considered impure in traditional literature and texts?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. In many cases, dogs are associated with impurity. And I think that sets in during the Puranic times or in the Puranic texts, more so in the Vedic. If you look at Mahabharata, there's an interesting story of impurity associated with dogs or dogs being impure. On his last journey to the heaven after death, Yudhishthira, one of the five heroes of the epic Mahabharata, was denied entry because he was accompanied by his pet dog. And because the dog was impure, Yudhishthira and the dog could not enter heaven, which was pure. So Yudhishthira, being a pious man that he was, or at least that's what the epics say, he himself refused to enter the heaven if he were not allowed with the dog. So ultimately, he doesn't end up going to the heaven.
1: It's no heaven if there are no dogs around.
0: Kuro agrees. For our modern sensibilities, a home and a heaven is where there are a lot of dogs.
1: Agreed. I mean, a life without a dog is no life lived.
0: (laughs) True. And maybe this companionship that we feel in the modern times was also reflected in sculptural art in ancient India or medieval India where there are a lot of domestic scenes or courtly scenes where a guard dog or a companion dog is often showed and the deity Bhairava who is an incarnation or a form of Shiva in some texts is always accompanied by a dog. Now the dog performs dual roles here one of being outside the civilization to some extent so on the brink of being civilized and living or inhabiting the wilderness and second as a companion to Bhairava. So Bhairava is generally portrayed as a bloodthirsty malevolent deity accompanied by a not so pure animal that is the dog but the connotation around dog changes with time and there is a form of deity by the name Tattra, or Datta popular in Maharashtra mainly who is accompanied by four dogs who are considered to be the reincarnation of four Vedas or Vedas incarnate. So the shift of pendulum is quite interesting.
1: And it's not just in this realm of religion and religious cultures that there are expressions and representations of dogs. For example, various Harappan sites yield these little toy terracotta figurines of what people interpret as dogs, implying that maybe little kids were playing around with clay dolls that looked like dogs.
0: And could you say the same about some of the royalty in medieval India? Because some of the portraiture from that time has intricately depicted dogs, sometimes playing with children, sometimes as accompanying on hunting runs, or sometimes just as a part of the royal portrait.
1: So as we can see, dogs have been our companions for as long as we can remember. And for the foreseeable future, they will be by our sides through thick and thin.
0: So on that note, let's wrap up for today and we'll see you next time in a matter of 15 days right here at Chippin' Away. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter and Instagram at Chippin' Away IND and feel free to send us your comments, feedback and suggestions at Chippin' at gmail.com. So keep chippin' away. Until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>